Welcome to the Connecting Place podcast. Here is today's message. Good evening, everybody. God bless the great state of Ohio. Are y'all not from Ohio? We read about you, you know. Uh, now, I'm going to talk real fast, and it's not because I'm in a hurry. It's just a bad habit uh, because uh, uh, Denise and I have five daughters and a son, so there's six women in the house. So if you're going to say something, you've got to get after it. So if you've got those overheads that I brought, can you put those up? I want to show you some pictures here before we get started. Parenting is just sort of an odd lost art. It's, uh, you know, uh, my... Uh, my, uh, my father had 12 brothers and sisters. Denise's father had 12 brothers and sisters. Both our mothers had five brothers and sisters. But when our parents got married, they said, enough of that. So my dad said, I want one each. One boy, one girl, it's all God made, it's all I want. So I got one sister, no brothers. And uh, she had two brothers, and she's the only girl. And so when we got married, we got to talking about it, said, well, you know, uh, now that we're married, do you want to have any kids? I said, sure. She said, well, how many do you want? I said, well, that's up to you. You're going to have them. How many do you want? She said, well, I like to have five. I said, well, that's better than 12. Five, that's good. And, uh, and I said, she said, well, when would you like to have them? I said, well, that's up to you, honey. You're going to have them. When do you want to have them? She said, well, I want to wait five years till we've got some money and a better house and, you know, a better car. And sure enough, January 1st, 1977, we had our first baby. And 18 months later, we had our second baby. And, and I remember we were driving home from the hospital with, with our second baby. And I've got Sarah next to me at 18 months, and she's holding the newborn. I said, honey, remember that conversation about having five kids? We talked to forget that. <laughs> I've got one, you've got one, that's enough. But, you know, they all went off to kindergarten five years later, and the first time Denise and I had been alone in seven years, and nine months later we had another baby. And if you need me to explain that to you, I can see you at the back right after the service. And, uh, Anyhow, long story short, we've got six, because God does above and beyond all you can ask or think. Six kids won't make you holy or famous. It'll make you insane and broke if you don't know what to do with them once they show up. So I'll just show you this uh, on the picture here. I'll start over here on this side. This is Sarah, my oldest. That's her on the right. She was our firstborn. God bless her. She's great. Uh, Sarah's a college professor at Northeastern State. Just got her doctorate. The second there, the blonde. She came out. We don't know where the blonde hair came from. Anyhow, that's the blonde, Jessica. She's our secondborn. Uh, both Sarah and Jessica went to Oral Roberts University, and Jessica got her accounting degree, and we just hired her. She's pretty much running our ministry now. That's Tessa in the middle. She's our fourth born. She went to Lee University in Tennessee, and she's a health science major, and I never have quite figured that out. Um, she loved medical shows growing up, you know, heart surgeries, cutting you open. It's like, shut that thing off. And she was just fascinated. And so uh, her and her husband working at Dry Gulch right now in the medical field, so in Oklahoma. That's my uh, daughter next to her. That's Lauren, my fifth daughter. She's uh, at a school in um, Franklin, Tennessee, studying for interior design. Now, when she first said, what are you, you going to major in? She said, interior design. I said, what's, what's that? Well, I'm going to be trained to do interior decorating, interior design for businesses, corporations. No, you're not. world's going to hell in the handbasket. Jesus is coming back. We're not going to waste no stupid thing on some interior something or other. We're, you're not doing that. Dad, that's what I'm called to do. No, you're not. Nobody's called her that. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. <laughs> Took about three months for her to gather the scriptures. She came back and said, Dad, let me explain to you. I'm going to major in interior design. I'm going to make more money than all of your other children combined. It's a really lucrative business. By the way, let's go over some scriptures about heaven. When you get to heaven, Dad, you will not be eating off a card table or off a paper plate. God's really into interior decorating. Martha Stewart did not decorate heaven. God did, and he's real gaudy. 
And so it was a long conversation. I'm shortening it, but she's an interior design. As <laughs> Corey on the end. Corey, my third daughter, she was my middle child. She hated being a middle child. I hate being a middle child. I hate it. I said, I don't care. She said, God made you a middle child by divine appointment. You're a middle child on purpose. She said, I hate it. I never get anything new. Everything I get is a hand-me-down from somebody else. I never get anything new. So that's right. We bought good stuff, and it's still good, and you're going to wear it. And she said, I'm always having to help out with the young ones. The old ones don't have to help. And that's right. They're out of the house. You're here. God bless you. You're going to work twice as much. And, and so I read the story about Madeline Manning Mims, the great Olympic track star. And, of course, she's born, had bad lungs. Her mother would get her up every morning, get her downstairs, run around the block, not to make her a track star, but to build her lungs up so she wouldn't die. Madeline said it dawned on me one morning that I'd get up every morning. My mom would take me downstairs, run around the block, get me back up in the apartment. And it just dawned on me that I never saw any of my friends running around the block early in the morning. So, Mama, why do you make me get up and run around the block every morning? Madeline said, my mother sat down on the edge of the bed. She said, darling, you're not going where the other children are going. The price you pay is different. And one of the toughest things about being a parent is we want our kids to fit in until you start reading the Bible. I don't want you to fit in anywhere. I want you so far out front nobody can see you. We're not running with the crowd. We're breaking out of the crowd, and we're going to lead, not follow. So Corey came along. She was a C student at best, B every now and then. She got thrown out of more ball games. Uh, all my kids were captain of something, basketball, soccer, whatever they in, they went to the top. I said, you're going to learn to serve, not show off. You become great by outserving everybody, not out bragging everybody. Jesus said, you want to be great in my kingdom, become the servant of all. It's an upside-down pyramid. And so Corey got thrown out of more games, and she's never yelled. She never loses her temper. But, buddy, she's, she's mean. She just she'd trip more people and she's, people fell down next to her on the ball court all the time like I don't know they just fall I don't you're tripping them quit stepping on their feet and so uh, she was the only one of my kids that went to college with no scholarship money none and so she went into Lee with Tessa her younger sister who got a big scholarship and of course Corey got a 25% scholarship because she's related to her smart younger sister it was a sibling scholarship. And I said, isn't that great? You got money because she's smart. Isn't that incredible? You are so special. <laughs> and we were sitting there. She, Denise was with me. She didn't laugh. I said, babe, you have a gift. I just don't know what it is. You got one. God gave everybody a gift. It's a great gift. It's going to make room for you, make you wealthy, make you famous. I just don't know what it is. But it's not what your other sisters and brothers have. You've got a different gift. Well, we found out she's a journalism major today. She owns half of my publishing company, you know, Stumbleup Publishing. She's making more money. She'll be worth a lot more than the rest of them. And they figure, why did you pick her? Why didn't you pick us to start a corporation with her? Because she's a journalism major. You're not. It never ends. You think, well, I'll be glad when they grow up. <laughs> it doesn't end. It's an ongoing, it's like a Disney ride. You don't get off. You just keep riding. So they're all giving. Then where's the other? I got my son on one of these. There he is. That's my youngest. Got me a male child. Yes, I did. Bless God, John showed up. I remember when he popped out, then he started crying. She's on the delivery table. She's crying. I said, dear Lord, you okay, babe? What is it? Well, I have to have another one. I said, why? He'll need somebody to play with. He's got five sisters. That's it. And that's really blessed him really well. He's, the girls love him. He's dated the same girl for three and a half years. He's just a one-girl guy. He's just real different. So we love John. So anyhow, John and Lauren are our last two in college. They're both halfway through. John will be a junior at ORU this year. And so we're almost pushing them out. Half of them are married. The other half are getting there. And so it's been a process. But what I want to do tonight is teach you something really different about parenting. Now, there's some great scriptures, so 
This is going to be in sequence. I won't be the same thing in the morning. I won't talk on the same thing in the morning. It'll all three services will be different, so get the CDs, and I'll, I'll back up a little bit. Give you two scriptures. Matthew 5, verse 9, Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said this, Blessed are the peacemakers. They should be called the children of God. Well, the 60s run that word forever, peace. We don't know what that word means. Jesus is the prince of peace, but you don't want to mess with him. When he comes back on that horse, you want to be behind him on your own horse, not waiting on him to get here, because it's going to be ugly when he shows up. Well, if you look at several other translations, blessed are the peacemakers, many other translations will render it, blessed are the problem solvers. A peacemaker is a problem solver. We think somebody that brings peace is somebody that avoids a bad situation. Let's calm it down. Let's just see if we can calm everybody. Jesus confronted everybody and everything. He never ran from nothing. We're about to get nose to nose. He is a problem solver. Blessed are the problem solvers. That's what we do. If you read the Bible, New Testament, what do we do? We feed the hungry. We give water to the thirsty. We help orphans. We help widows. We nurse sick people back to health. We visit people in prison. What do we do? We fix hell. We fix busted stuff. It's our full-time, seven-day-a-week, 24-hour-day job. Our job is to fix hell. When we get up in the morning, the devil ought to break out into a cold sweat. Oh, my God, they're up. Yes, we are. Because if we don't start teaching our children who they are in him, in whom, and in Christ, starting really young, and that's why you have them in church and Bible stories, and you teach them certain things, I want you to enjoy life. I don't want you to go through life, thump, nothing good ever happened to me. Coach went and played me, girlfriend broke up, and ball fired me, and my dog died, and truck Christmas fell out. Everybody's got a thumb-sucking sad song. And so I realized years ago as a parent, I, I can't protect you. Welcome to planet Earth. Satan is a temporary little G, God of this planet. He's stomping the snot out of everybody and everything. John 10, 10, he kills, steals, and destroys. There are six 24 news channels reporting about hell. Well, I'm glad when it gets better. It's not going to get better. The Bible says so. It's going to get really stanky. But not with us. We're going from faith to faith and glory to glory. Our greatest days are still yet to come. We're going to be the head, not the tail, above and not beneath. God's going to surround us with a shield of divine favor. People are going to like us, not even know why. We got our made. It is a Disney ride. We don't ever go home. But if we don't get the word of God into them early, you can make them mind and obedient. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Clean their room and change their underwear and make A's on their homework and leave home and go stupid as dirt. If I don't get God in you, the devil's going to take you out. The devil's not afraid of you and your clean room and your straight-A report card. The devil's afraid of Jesus in you, and if I don't get him in there, I don't care what your IQ or your GPA or what you did in athletics, you're about to get whipped. My job as a parent is to get the Word of God in, so I want to teach them early. You are born to be a problem solver. Matthew 16, verse 13, Jesus has been on the planet for a while. He's got the staff up below Mount Hermon up there at the Sea of Galilee. And he asked and said, boys, who do men say that I am? I said, well, Lord, they're not sure. You're, you're not normal. You're just not normal. You're a formerly famous dead person who's come back. You know, that water walking, not, not normal. 5,000 Happy Meals, not, not normal. Raising that dead kid the other day, not normal. You're not normal. Whoever you are, you're not normal. And Jesus said, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter spoke up and said, well, you're the man. You're the Christ. You're the one we've been waiting on. And Jesus said, flesh and blood's not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven upon this rock this revelation, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. Now, I don't know if you know something. I, I live in the country in Oklahoma. We got gates. You have a gate for one reason, to keep things out. 
It's a gated community. You're not allowed in here. You know, I don't have a gated community. I just got a gate. I live in the country. You can't even find my house. You find my house, you're lost. <laughs> and so there's just a gate in case anybody gets lost, they don't come up my driveway. You're not, no, this is, this, we're not having an open house today, no. And so <laughs> gates are something to be stormed. And the Bible says my job is to storm the gates of hell. Why? Hell took over. When Adam and Eve sinned, this planet went south. Adam and Eve sinned, first family sinned, sin came into the first family, they got fired from their job, evicted from the house, their kids started killing each other, and it went downhill from there. Noah and the flood, Tower of Babel, it's going all the way to Revelation, it's getting, it's getting bad. What happened? Sin kills, it's got death attached to it. But thank God, Jesus knew, God knew the man was going to go stupid. He told the devil in the garden, one day I'm going to come in the flesh and I'm going to take this back. And he did. Silent night, holy night, weak kings of Orinar. Jesus came, rose from the dead, and we have been taken out of the kingdom of darkness, put in the kingdom of God's dear Son. Now, I'm talking on parenting, because been, we've been doing this for years. Got a bunch of kids. They're, none of them are perfect. I don't have any perfect kids. I've got good ones, but I don't have any perfect ones because they didn't have perfect parents. We've all had to repent and forgive on a regular basis. We're all growing in His grace and in His knowledge. But I have taught them. Denise has been very quick when I wasn't there to teach. Your job is to go whip something, not someone. Hell's going to try to take you out. If you don't know who you are in Christ, you can do all you want. You can have piano recitals, and we can go to ballet practice, and we can practice singing. Your talent will make room for you. It's a gift. It won't take you to heaven. Only Jesus will take you to heaven. It won't make you happy, for the joy of the Lord will be your strength. If we don't get in you who you are in him and in Christ, all the parenting in the world will not do you a bit of good. So we'll bring it down to Luke 2.52. Jesus, here's the big parenting scripture in the New Testament. Jesus, the child Jesus, grew in wisdom, stature, favor with God, and favor with man. Those are the four areas that he grew in. So let's just break this down. Jesus grew in wisdom. Why is that important? Well, if you read Proverbs 1, there's four kinds of kids throughout Proverbs. Wise, simple, foolish, and scornful. Ton of scriptures on each one. Wise kids live long. They're wealthy. They're going to rule over a city. It's all real good. If you're not wise, and the fear of the Lord, by the way, is the beginning of wisdom. Therefore, if you don't have a relationship with God, you don't fear God, there is no wisdom. If you lack wisdom, James says, ask God, he'll give it liberty. You want to be wise, walk with wise men and companions. The fools will be destroyed. So make sure you're hanging out with good people or you're going to go stupid. The devil will send you somebody to take you stupid. I want wise kids. Jesus grew in wisdom. I want my children to grow in wisdom, which means i got to grow in wisdom. Well, what happens is the other three kinds of kids, if you're not wise, you're simple-minded. And what does that mean? Well, you're not evil. You just don't know any better. You keep doing dumb stuff. You're not evil. You're just dumb. You're an ignorant, unwise person. And you're going to keep messing up. But if you stay simple-minded long enough, you go to stage three, you become a fool. The Bible said it's sport for a fool to make mischief. You'll make a game out of getting in trouble. If you stay a fool too long, you go to stage four, you become a scorner. A scorner hates those that love him. They're the kid that hates everybody. What's your problem? Everybody else, teacher's fault, my daddy's fault, my mother's fault, coach's fault. If one for everybody else, I'd be doing fine. That's a scorner. What happened? You're not wise. Bless your heart. Well, if Jesus grew in that, I want my kids to grow in that. So I've got to make sure, number one, we're going to start praying over you. Number two, we're going to make sure you're in a great local church. Where you are tonight is the most powerful thing on this planet. There's nothing more powerful on earth tonight than the local church. Everything outside of the local church is dying. It's always quiet when you say that. Christ, and that's the hope of glory. We are the light and the salt of a messed up planet. That's why we're being sent out to go help them. We're going to go be a blessing. I remember when kids years ago talked about when they're about to leave school, what are you going to do for a living? I just want to make a lot of money. Well, you're not going to. You know how people make money? No, by helping other people. 
I said, you find a cure for cancer, money will not be a problem for you. You invent a carburetor that gets 100 miles to the gallon, money will not be a problem for you. You need to focus on helping people, not making money. You go help people, money will not be a problem for you. I mean, all you got to do is go to the local store and look. What's that? Well, that's a money-making deal right there because it's meeting a need in somebody's life. So you're saying your children grow in wisdom. Number two, children grow in stature. Jesus grew in stature. What does that mean? He matured personally. I told my kids, if you want the teacher and the coach out of your face, do what's right. Grew in stature. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 says this, you know, you got one through three children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment of the promise that it will be well with you and you'll live long. Verse 4, parents, it says fathers, but it means parents, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, how do you provoke a child to wrath? By being inconsistent. One of the hardest things it was for me to learn as a parent was I need consistency in my rules in the house. Now, how do you avoid provoking a child to wrath? It means to bring them up with rules, regulations, rewards, and punishments. I always, we, Denise, I've always had three rules for the house. Doesn't make us famous, we just pick three because kids can't remember more than three. Three is about the limit. Number one, no talking back to mom or dad. We don't tolerate that. Number two, no fighting with your brothers and sisters. And I don't mean disagreement, I mean not down, drag out, WWF kind of stuff. Number three, no telling a lie because liars go to hell. I will not tolerate those three things. In the state of Oklahoma, I'm still allowed to switch SWAT paddle and spank. If you violate one of my three rules, I'm going to light you up like the 4th of July. You will not hear me coming down the hallway. I don't count to 10. I'm going to count to 10. I don't count. You won't even hear me say one. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> I believe in the stealth, stealth, stealth. And I've told my kids, I don't want to swatch you. I want you to just do what's right. Now, I know something. You were born with flesh. Every child's born with flesh. The first word a child learns is no. No. What is that? They're born with a sin nature. They're bent toward no. How much cream you want? All of it. How many toys you want? I want them all. I'm not sharing with anybody. I want what I want when I want it. What is it? That's a sin nature. That's why it takes training and teaching and teaching and training. So all of a sudden, I realized something. Two things important. My kids need to grow in wisdom. Well, let me give you this. I don't want to get into this to take too much time. Wisdom is having a vision for your life. Proverbs 29, 18, where there's no vision, you perish. Most of our young people are leaving home in America don't have a clue what they want to do. They don't know what they're good at. They've been told all their life what they're not good at. Man, you're dumber than dirt. You're not going to mount hill of beans. Boy, you stink at that. Man, you're no good at that. Everybody knows they're not good at stuff because the world has cheerleaders from hell to tell you what you're not good at. What we're trying to do, like the Apostle Paul, is find the one thing you are good at. Paul said, there's one thing I do. Even when I make tents, it's the one thing I do to help me do the thing which is preach the gospel. And so as a parent, my job is to make sure that my kids leave home knowing they're good at something. I want you to leave home knowing you're good at something, not waiting to find out what it is. By the time you're 18, you already know what you're good at. So when there's no vision, you perish. Remember the Bible says in Hebrews 2, you start reading, Jesus knew where he came from. The Bible said Jesus had a vision for his life. He knew where he came from. He laid down his glory in heaven, took on the body of a man, silent night, holy night. Mom and dad have lost him for three days. Luke chapter 2 and verse 50. And man, they're mad. Mary's mad. Where have you been? And Jesus answered as a 12-year-old, know ye not I need to be about my father's business. Jesus knew where he came from. As a 12-year-old, Jesus knew what he was doing here. And the Bible says in Hebrews 12 that Jesus endured the cross for the joy sitting in front of him. He knew where he was going. Everybody has challenges. Everybody goes through hell. Quit thumbsucking about hell and get up and go somewhere. If you leave home with no vision, you're a thumbsucker about all the bad things that happen. 
And all you want to do is have somebody feel sorry for you. And you're not going anywhere. I said, guys, listen. Now, this, this is kind of an ugly scripture, but I'll just throw it at you. It's not that late. Uh, matter of fact, let me read. I'm going to read this. Uh, this is what I did for my kids years ago. This is old. This is, this is old. I said, I'm going to have to teach and train because uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 4, Paul was upset with the Corinthian church. They're gripping about everything. They're thumb-sucking men. You don't know what we've been through. We've been through all kinds of bad stuff, and we've been through this, and we've been through that. And he said, really? So finally what he does, he writes them a letter back. He said, well, let me, I wasn't going to share, but hey, let me share. And so he begins to write. Well, here's what he said. He said, you think you've been through a hard time? Now, this is New Living Translation. Paul, it's the only time Paul ever griped. This is the only where in the New Testament. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, prayed in tongues more than anybody. He's tired of people thumb-sucking, but it's hard. You know how hard it is? It's hard. We've been on a hard time. It's just hard. So Paul writes this back. Mm. He says, well, I know I'm going to sound like a madman, but I've been, <laughs> I've been worse than you have. I've worked harder than you. I've been in prison more often. I've been whipped times without number. I faced death again and again. Five different times, the leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times, I was beaten with rods. Once, I was stoned to death. I guess he woke up and walked back in the next day, according to some people. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole day and night at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I faced danger from rivers, danger from robbers. I faced danger from my own people as well as the Jews and from Gentiles. I faced danger in the city, danger in the desert, danger on the sea. I faced danger from men who claimed to be believers but were not. I had worked hard, long, and during many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty and often gone without food. Now we teach our kids, you know how much I have sacrificed for you? Your daddy and I have sacrificed and done so much you, you don't appreciate nothing we do. Don't ever tell them that. You sound real stupid when you say it. Don't ever talk to flesh. Just shut your face up and smile. Praise God. I've been hungry and thirsty, gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. And besides all this, I have the daily burden of a concern for the churches who said, who is not feeling weakness that I don't feel it? And said, then the king's looking for me to kill me right now. And he writes that back and says, shut your face up. Now, I'm a parent. Denise had done this much better than me. I was real short-tempered for a long time. God just had to work on me. I'm tired of thumb-sucking. Well, it's not fair. And they got the ball to play more than I did, and they got to watch their favorite movie, and they got more ice cream than I did, and their piece of cake is bigger. Shut your face up, or I'm going to take your cake away from you. And all of a sudden, you realize you're trying to make life fair. Well, we got to be fair. I mean, we had birthdays. It got to where I'd have to buy six gifts every birthday. My present, it's not your birthday. Well, I I had a present. Well, it's not your birthday. So to shut them up, I just start, okay, everybody gets a present. Praise God. It's like Christmas time six times a year. Everybody get a gift. Well, you know, you start looking at the budget like, well, this is stupid. Who's parenting who here? So I just, I had to cut that off. And I realized something. The thing of parenting is trying to teach them the word of God. Guys, there's not one scripture in the Bible that said that life's fair. There's no scripture about life being fair. My job's to train you. So I remember I was an old engineer and I had to go back. So I just went back to Genesis and I listened to all these out for the kids. So Genesis 18, God picked Abraham for one reason. You know, he's already tried to give his wife away twice. He's lied twice that we know of, maybe more than that. Why are you picking this guy? Well, because I know him. What, did he lie? Has he tried to give his wife away? No. I know that he will teach his children and his children's children and all those after him. What I'm about to give him, he won't die with it. He's going to pass it on to the next generation. 
Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9, I command you to teach your children when you wake up, sit down, walk by the way, lay down. I'm going to command you to teach your children 24 hours a day. Psalm 78, I command you to teach your children to the fifth generation. They might have hope in God, might not be as their fathers who forgot about me and my ways and my wonders. And in the day of battle, even though they were armed, they turned back in the day of battle for they had leanness in their soul. You know, you start going through Psalms 112, if you fear me, your seed will be mighty upon this planet. Wealth and riches will be in their house. Psalms 127, your children will be like arrows in the hands of a mighty man. They are a reward from God. Children are a reward from God. Now, the first time I read that, I thought, well, that's a lie. Some monk wrote that, and he didn't have any kids. That's just stupid. Because I got them, there's not a rewarding thing about them. They're costing me more money than I can count. Tearing stuff up, chewing the corners off the end table, flushing stuff they shouldn't, and not flushing stuff they shouldn't. If that's a reward, go bless my neighbor. While God, you bless me enough, I don't need any more reward. Isaiah 28, 9 and 10 says, All of our children shall be taught of the Lord. Or Isaiah 54, 13, All of our children shall be taught of the Lord, and great will be their peace and undisturbed composure. Proverbs 22, 6, Train up a child in the way he should go, and his old won't depart from it. The Bible is packed. I am commanded, teach, train, train, teach. Why? They're born empty-headed. And if I don't start putting the right thoughts in, they'll be what I've trained them to be. Selfish, thumb-sucking, arrogant, ignorant, thinking only about e, I, me, me, and I all their life. And I said, people don't like people like you. People like servant people. I need to train you when you leave home. Go be a blessing to somebody. Go leave a place better than you find it. Leave a room better than you find it. Go be a blessing somewhere. But to do that, i got to see that you leave home with a vision. You're not like your sister. You don't have the same talent, the same gift, but you've got one. we just got to find out what it is. God gifted all of you. Psalm 139, verse 15 and 16. All the days of your life were written in the book in heaven before your mother ever met your father. You're gifted. You just got to find out what it is. I'm not good at nothing. No, you're good at something or God lied. You're good at something. That gift will make you wealthy and make you famous. We need to find out what it is. It's not your sister's gift or your brother's gift. The Bible says do not compare yourselves among yourselves. Don't ever ask your kid why they're not like their sister or brother because they're not. They came out different. You're different. Let's find out what you're called and gifted to do. So growing wisdom, my job's to constantly. My, you see how old my, my kids are older. I still plant vision. Where are you going? What are you going to do? How do you plan to get there? Every year at a holiday, the Christmas break, I make all my kids fill out a blank piece of paper. My adult kids. I stick pieces of paper, six blank pieces of paper, and it's, it's just one word statement. Who, what, where, how, why, when. So I give it to them. We did it this last year, Christmas vacation. These are all my adult kids and their spouse. Okay, here it is. You know the drill. You have two minutes. Who are you? Don't write your name on here. I named you. I don't need to know your name. Who are you in him, in whom in Christ? I want at least three scriptures. The Bible says the mouth of two or three witnesses, things established. You finished that? What are you doing here? I remember the first time we did it. What are you doing here? You invited us to dinner. No, I don't mean at my house. What are you doing on this planet? Well, you, you and mom wanted to have us. Trust me, we were not thinking about you that night. You were not on my mind. Trust me. What are you doing on this planet? Where are you going? When do you plan to get there? I do it every year with my adult kids. And then I give them a piece of paper with five columns. Now that you know who you are, what you're doing here, where you're going, why you're here, where are you going to be in five years? I want one sentence. Where are you going to be in five years? Where are you going to be in four, three, two, one? Where there's no vision, you perish. You're just thumbs up. Well, they got lucky, and they got blessed, and they got lucky. and they, No, they didn't. They're following their vision. You're just standing here thumb sucking, pointing at everybody else. What are you doing here? As a parent, my job is to help you find out who you are and what you're doing here and help you get started fulfilling that. And so every we go through this, and I'll make them hand it back to him. Okay, you just give me your 5, 4, 3, 2, and you said next year you're going to be here, so hand me the papers, and next Christmas I'm going to bring them out. And these are adult kids. Well, last year you said you're going to be here at the end of 12 months. How are you doing? Because you're going to look really stupid if you don't make some progress. We're going to make fun of you. 
You're just a thumb-sucking doofus. You just lied last Christmas. You shouldn't lie, especially at Christmas time. Or you're just lazy. Or you didn't pray. I mean, what is it? You think the world's just going to hand you something on a platter? Everything takes effort, takes prayer. There's resistance. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. He is bringing constant opposition. We're called more than conquerors and overcomers. Quit thumb-sucking. Well, I ain't never had a break. You're not going to get a break. You're going to have to overcome something. And as a, that's what parents are supposed to, I need to put that in you early so you leave home wanting to go do something to be something. The last two are this, Jesus grew in favor with God. That means you have a gift, and that's what I love with my kids. Every kid's gifted. You have a gift. What is your gift? I said, you don't have your daddy's gift, your mama's gift. Gifts do not come down family line. They're by divine appointment. And so Sarah was always good with words. She loved to read early, so that's why she's a professor of curriculum development. It stayed with her her whole life. She's a curriculum development professor. It's good. Jessica, Jessica, <laughs> she's so funny. Just, just, everything's funny to Jessica. It was just funny. Great athlete, all-state basketball champion. She went to a college on a basketball scholarship. Her gift made room for her. She would cry. You go in her bedroom at night, and Jessica had tears come down her face. Her older sister's asleep. Same school, same class, same teacher, same subject, algebra. Sarah had pretty much a photographic memory. She could read something, and she had it. Jessica would have to study two and three hours a night to get that same deal. And she said, it's not fair. She'd be crying. Sarah's getting her beauty sleep. Jessica's cramming at midnight. It's not fair. I said, I know it's not. There's not one scripture about life being fair. She has a gift. You don't have it. I don't know where she got it, but I know you don't have it. You're going to have to study. <laughs> and you've got to help your kids realize, that, no, let's, what are you supposed to do? Quit pointing at somebody else. And so they were all gifted different. And so our job was to help them find out your gift. All of our kids went to college on scholarship based on their gift, not they got lucky or something happened. Then the last thing is Jesus grew in favor with man. Now here's where the devil will try to take your kids out. There are more scriptures in the Bible on friends and friendship than there are on the subject of hell. God said more about friends than he did about hell. Why? Friends will take you to hell. And what does that mean? The devil doesn't show up with horns and a pitchfork, puking green stuff and eyeball hanging out. He can show up looking good and talking good. Ezekiel 28, man, he's got four great gifts, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty, charge of wealth, charge of music. He understands them. Those were his gifts in heaven. When he got fired from his job, he kept his gifts. He didn't lose them. Looks are a big thing. America's consumed with their looks. Man, we're consumed. You don't like your flesh, we'll nuke it. We can fry it. We can suck some out, shove some in. I'm, we can change that flesh. You're going back to dust anyhow, but we can mess with your flesh. Everybody's a smart aleck because if you know you're not smarter than the guy you're talking to, you'll make fun of them. So all of our humor is cutting humor. Why? We know we're dumb, so how we get smarter? Make them look dumber. We'll make fun of everybody. Music. Man, everything's driven by music. There's music playing everywhere, every kind of music you can imagine. Why? Because you remember what you sing. That's why if you sing, take this job and shove it, I ain't working it no more, it's not going to go good. <laughs> they shut our plant down. We sung there for three months. Every time we come there, hey, it's on, turn the station. <laughs> and 300, take this job, shove it. We working, and they shut our plant down. <laughs> we sung it right into oblivion. <laughs> sing to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Don't let your kids sing in stupid stuff because you're going to remember what you sing. <sighs> so all of a sudden, this friendship thing was as iron strikes iron, so the countenance of a friend. If you have a friend, they're going to tell you the truth. I want you to love me enough to tell me the truth. I don't need you to flatter me. Mark those given to flattery. To the degree of personal flattery to your face is to the depth they'll put a knife in your back. So I told my kids, you leave home, you need to know who you are and where you're going, what you're doing here. Because it really doesn't matter. There's going to be opposition. But if you don't have a vision, all you're going to do is thumb suck about the opposition. 
Number two, you better get some self-discipline. Romans 13, God said, I set up authority. Why? You challenge authority, you're challenging me. That's why people buy radar detectors. And I make fun of it all the time. I don't mean to, but it, the flesh is saying, nobody's going to tell me what to do. I do what I want to do when I want to know you're not. Look at their people. Gonna, they're going to make you do right. That's why prisons are full. Jails are full. Why? Somebody's going to make you do what's right. Now, if you'll do what's right, you'll have praise of those authorities. So just do what's right because it's right to do what's right. Oh, that is so simple. Third is this. You've got a gift. Quit getting mad at other people that got lucky. They didn't get lucky. There's no such thing as luck. What is your gift? And to use all those first three, your vision, your self-discipline, your gift, you're going to have to know how to get along with people, both your friends and your enemies. There's many scriptures on how to deal with your enemies and how to deal with your friends. You know, you can go through the whole Bible. For example, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 5, the last days, perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, heady, high-minded, truce breakers, unthankful, unholy, without natural effects, and disobedient to parents. From such people stay away. If they're thirsty, give them water. If they're hungry, feed them. If they're in prison, visit them. But don't spend spare time and eat lunch with them, or you'll become like who you hang around. So the fourth thing I realized, I told my kids, you better learn to run with people running faster than you. You don't want to hang around people like you. If you're going to grow, chase people running faster than you, which means you're going to have to humble yourself, not show up and show off and be arrogant. You'll never grow. If you're the biggest dog in the barn, you're never going to grow. You've got to make yourself chase people running faster. And I'm telling you something. As a parent, it's been four of the greatest things we've ever learned. Now, I'll leave you with this thought. I had some high school students years ago, and I got this thing out of an old book. Gave them all a dollar bill. They were all seniors. Gave them a week. Brought them into class. Said, okay, we're going to do something different today. We've been talking on biblical worldview and having a vision for your life. And I want to show that everybody thinks different. Everybody has the same opportunity, but not everybody will take the opportunity. Everybody's salvation has been paid for, but not everybody's going to receive that salvation. So I'm going to give everybody a dollar that was on a Monday. You've got till Friday to do something with this dollar. We've been talking about biblical finance and how money works, how people make money. Give all of you a dollar. Now, I don't care what you do with it. I'm going to give you an A on Friday. I don't care what you do with this, but we will record it. It'll go into a book. I don't care if you go over here and buy Dr. Pepper and a moon pie. I really don't care. But we're going to see what you can do with a dollar in five days. And so some people giggle and say, and they're all seniors. You know, they're all Christians. They should know better. Friday to come back, and you've got to come up in front of the class. What would you do? Give me receipts. What would you do with your dollar? And sure enough, some did. Bought a moon pound of Dr. Pepper to school lunch. That's what they did. Some bought a Big Mac. Some tried to do something. I remember this one kid walked up, and he had a, he had a wad of $1 bills. Real thick glasses. Brought him a $1, and came his turn. Okay, what would you do with yours? And he started counting them out. Boom, 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 boom. Of course, everybody got quiet. He counted out 117 $1 bills. And it's like, okay, everybody's looking. Of course, the people said, well, he's lying. What would you do? Well, tell, tell everybody how you got the $117. You said, well, I took that dollar on Monday, and I went and bought some uh, nickel candy, and I sold it Tuesday for a quarter. Went and bought some quarter candy, sold it on Wednesday for a dollar. Went and bought a really nice football, sold it on Thursday, got me a five-speed and used five-speed bicycle, and said I just sold it this morning for $117. Now, you know what everybody said? He's lucky. No, he's not. Some kids got trained, and some thumb suck. They never had a break. They never going to get a break. We never had a break. And they're never going to get a break. So go ahead. Stick her in there deep. Suck the <laughs> nail right off of it. Because while you're thumb sucking, somebody's blowing by you down the interstate. I don't care if your children are 5 or 55. We'll go into the really parenting stuff in the morning in a lot more detail. Our job's to launch them, not make them mind. We, we've stopped short. Well, you better mind your parents. 
You better make good grades. You better clean your bed and change your underwear. Well, sure, but that won't take you anywhere. Vision's going to take you somewhere. My job as a parent is to make sure you leave home knowing who you are in Christ and what you are placed here to do because God gave you a gift. Opposition is coming. It came to the Apostle Paul. It's going to come to you. I don't want to hear any thumb sucking out of your mouth. I love my kids. They've all been through some kind of health. Sarah's husband, man, great guy. Oh, are you graduate? Died of cancer. We never had anybody die of cancer in our family. Well, he did. He dropped dead two years into the marriage. Loving God, praying in the Holy Ghost, and dead. We shouldn't have, he shouldn't have died, but he did. We buried him. You know, Jessica had a drunk driver run a red light one night, hit her head on, just passed, put her car right down like a boom, squashed that thing like a pumpkin. Crawled out of it, not a scratch on her. You know, Cora was in the hospital, spinal meningitis, supposed to die, ten, intensive care for 10 days. She's going to die. She's going, nope, my baby will live and not die. She's going to be deaf. No, she's got the ear of the learner, got the mind of Christ. She's going to be mentally retarded. No, I mean, we had to fight. We had to say what God said, not what we were hearing, because it didn't look good. Everybody's been through hell. We got to get our kids to realize, oh, when things get better, they're not going to get better. We, we got armor, Ephesians 6. We get to go whip something. Not somebody, something. So let's stand up. I'm going to pray a prayer with you here tonight. Things I pray over my kids every night and every morning. I've done it for years. Number one, Psalm 34, 11 says this. Come to me, you children, and I will teach you the fear of God. For the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And with that wisdom comes long life, riches, and honor. Now, I don't know about you, but I want my kids to live really, really long. If Jesus tarries, I want you to come to my funeral. I don't want to come to yours. Riches, I want you to get loaded. Now, we're going to help you. We're going to pay for you. We're going to fix the crooked teeth you were born with. We're going to help you get a nice dress for the prom. We're going to pay for your college. God bless you that it took six years to get a four-year degree. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to fix that transmission, and we're going to where you poured, you know, water into the oil place instead of oil into the water and run the $2,000 engine. We're going to fix that. Ho, ho, ho. We're Santa Claus. Praise God. But the goal... That we're trying to do is not criticize, not ridicule. The goal is to launch you because eventually you're going to reproduce yourself and you're going to train up your children to be mature. It's going to take effort, time, and money. It's what we get to do. We were born to give our life away. It's what we do. The more you thumb suck, the more hell will come. So, fear of God. Number two, divine favor. I'm going to pray you have divine favor because the devil's going to send people. The boss is going to get mad at you. Your neighbor's going to get mad at you. Your mother-in-law's going to hate your guts. Stinking mother-in-law and stinking boss. Don't, don't say that. Uh-uh-uh-uh. You're life and death in the power of the tongue. No. You're going to say what God says. You're like Daniel, Joseph, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You're going to be in a foreign country and a heathen king. But God promises to surround you with a shield of divine favor. People are going to like you and not even know why they like you. So I've told my kids, you're going great places because they're going to love you something fierce. They don't even know why. Why? Twice a day, your whole life, and I will never stop till Jesus comes. You are walking with divine favor. God promised it. We're going to claim it. And the third thing is this. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron strikes iron, so the countenance of a friend. Every day, Father, I thank you for bringing godly friends. Not weak, not wimpy, not evil. I thank you for godly friends coming into my children's life that will strike iron with them cause them to grow and become all you want them to be. So, eyes open, heads up, look right here. Let's all sit together. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Your word is truth. It sets me free. It keeps me free. According to your word, I ask you, teach my children to fear you. Surround my children 
with divine favor. Send to my children godly friends. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Angels got up and got busy right now, and there's going to be a difference in Jesus' name. Amen? Praise God. Bow your heads, eyes closed, heads bowed just for 60 seconds. Nobody moving for just one minute. Nobody looking. Two quick questions. Are you here? And you say, Joe, I do not know Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I have never, ever asked him into my heart, but God's been dealing with me, and I'd like to do something about that tonight. If that's you, I'd like to pray a 30-second prayer over you right out of the book of Romans. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm simply going to ask you in a few seconds, if that's you, to get your hand up and wave it at me really good and put it right back down. I'm going to see it. God's going to see it. If you're willing to acknowledge you need a Savior, God said he'll save you right where you stand. Old things will pass away. All things will become new. God will make you a new creature in Christ. It's that simple. Or perhaps you're here and I say, Joe, I'm saved, but I've not been living for God lately. My life's not turned out like I thought. But I've been convicted tonight. Joe, I'd like to rededicate my life tonight. I'm ready to get serious with Jesus. I want Jesus not just to be my Savior, Joe. I'm ready for Jesus to come and be the Lord of my life, my family, my faith, my future, my finances. I am ready for the Lordship of Jesus. If that's you, you can pray the exact same prayer. We're going to pray with these other people out of Romans. And God in heaven will forgive you every sin you have ever committed in a moment of time. Take your sins as far as the east is from the west. Put them in the depths of the sea. There'll be no record of your sins in heaven. And God will make the devil pay back seven times whatever he stole from you. It'll never get easier than this. So with every head bowed and every eye closed. And say, Joe, that's me. I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life tonight. Would you pray that prayer over me? Or, Joe, that's me. I'm ready to get serious with God. I want Jesus to come and be the Lord of my life. Would you pray that prayer? If that's you on either count right now, would you simply just raise your hand and wave it at me and put it right back down? Joe, pray. Thank you. Thank you for your bonus. Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? Joe, pray. It'll never get easy. This God does the saving. He does the forgiving. He just needs your permission. That's all he's doing. Anyone else? Joe, I'm not raising my hand yet. Please, include in your prayer. Anyone else? Anyone else? All right, hands down, heads bowed, eyes closed. Here's what we're going to do. Those of you that raised your hands, we are all going to pray with you. I told you, it'll never get easier than this. God is about to do the two greatest miracles he can do, save souls and forgive sins. So people, let's help them pray. We're all going to say this together. Everybody say this after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I do believe he is your son. He died for me, and you raised him from the dead. I ask him now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me. Forgive me of my sin. I receive you by faith. With thanksgiving. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, for the hands that went up tonight, either for the first time ever or as a reaffirmation of their faith in you, according to your holy word and their obediences of right now, they are cleansed, forgiven, blood-bought, born-again children of God. Jesus Christ is their Lord. The devil's not their Lord anymore. They are your sheep. You are their shepherd. They will hear your voice and the voice of a stranger. They will not follow. We welcome them both into the family, back into the fold. Lord, as they leave tonight, surround them with the shield of divine favor. And Lord, as they leave tonight, would you please bring godly friends into their life that will strengthen them in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. give the Lord a hand clap. Thank you for listening to the Connecting Place podcast. For more information about Believer's Church, visit believers.cc.